Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. It's good to be together and to share these songs of worship and uh, express our trust in God and are looking to Him to meet all of our needs. And I thank you for leading today and sharing that time with us. Philippians today, chapter 4, and we're going to actually finish the epistle of Philippians today from our study this last several months since Easter, before Easter actually. So I'd like to ask you if you'd open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, and let's have a word of prayer. Father, as we open your word, we pray that our hearts would be open to your word. We pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts and that we would understand your word, that we would live by your word. We thank you for the freedom to come, to worship you as we please, Lord, without hindrance. We pray for our brothers and sisters around the world today who do not have that freedom. We pray for their protection and safety and their boldness as they too present your word. We pray for our young people as they gather now, our children, and for the leaders who have carefully prepared to teach and to lead them. May you bless them. And may you watch over, protect them, and guide them in their steps this week as well. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So we began this study with some consideration about the letter to the church at Philippi as bearing a lot of marks of a what we call a friendship letter. A letter that particularly um, is warm, it's very um, relational, they're very connected, there's a long history with this church. And we looked at several portions of this that, that show this friendship that Paul, uh, this, this group had a very special place in his heart and in his ministry. And in light of that, it might be kind of interesting as we come to the close, as we look at chapter 4 and verse 10 and following, a little bit of maybe awkwardness from our perspective, though we're disconnected from the original writing and from the original culture, but, I mean, this, is, there is, this has generated quite a bit of discussion as it comes to the end of this letter. It's like, Paul, really, um, isn't there a better way to say this? <laughs> you know, but let's look at this. I rejoice greatly in the Lord, verse 10, that at last, you, at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Well, let's just stop there for a minute. That's a little awkward. Um, you know... Is he thankful for the gift or isn't he? Did he need the gift or not? I mean, if I, if, if I was in a, a very difficult situation in need of help and you helped me and I, and I thanked you and said, I know, I know you didn't have a chance before, but at least finally you have. But I didn't really, I'm okay. God's taking care of me. Do I need the help or not? Right? I mean, it's, there's a little bit of maybe awkwardness some people see here, but not really. It really isn't because of the overall theme of this section here. It's not awkward at all. And it's a situation that uh, actually is very friendship oriented in the first century, very typical. 
and one that, uh, that, that Paul is really honoring God. In this passage, I want you to, I want us to keep this overall context because there are going to be three really important practical teachings that we, we hold on to and we actually quote quite often. I've, I've heard several passages from this section here throughout my life quoted very often. And, um, they're in a context though, and the context has to do, the word is, partnership, koinonia, fellowship, partnership in the gospel of Jesus Christ. This has to do with support from others and mutual support and interaction and Christians that are willing to share together in ministry. You know, the Apostle Paul, I'm I'm teaching a class right now. I teach about five times a year for Grace uh, Christian University in what's called their online program, their module units. I wrote a couple of curriculums, and the one I wrote I'm teaching right now on the advanced dispensational class. The first discussion for the first week, I asked the students to to give some, put themselves in the context of Saul's conversion from the book of Acts. And you remember, Saul was persecuting the church. People were being put to death because of Saul. And I asked them to consider, if if someone in your family had been put to death or imprisoned, or beaten because of Saul's persecution, when you heard of his conversion, how likely would you be to accept it as genuine and to embrace him as a fellow believer? Now, yeah, a couple of shaking your head. Let's be honest. There would be some skepticism, and probably rightly so, until it had really been borne out. We hear sometimes conversion stories of people that uh, were very, very unlikely, and there may be a skepticism. And you know, the Apostle Paul, in his ministry, he, he was the only of this core group at the beginning who, who were not part of Jesus' uh, uh, troop, part of his disciples, part of his close followers, you know, like Peter, James, and John, and Bartholomew, and, and so forth. Um, he, he was not part of that group, Matthew and Levi. He came later. And, be, and because of the circumstances of his conversion and where he came from, there appeared to be this sort of skepticism that kind of dogged him. And one of them was, he was in this for the money. He was in this for the money. He was doing this for what he got out of it. And so, so Paul goes to great lengths in his, in his epistles. If you look at First Thessalonians, and uh, if you go a little bit forward in your Bible, the First Thessalonians is an early epistle of Paul, the church at Thessalonica, church that he visited after he'd been to Philippi and went down to Thessalonica, and he and he and he reminds the Thessalonians in uh, verse seven of chapter two. We were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. We love you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God but our lives as well, because you had been become dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached to you. You remember, we worked. We, we did not expect anything from you. We worked hard night and day to not be a burden to you. And he reminds him again in the second epistle of Thessalonians, a few pages over in Second Thessalonians chapter three. He comes he comes back to this to this theme in Second Thessalonians chapter three. And verse seven, for you know yourselves how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, 
nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked day and night, laboring and toiling so we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. And as Paul says here, he slips in here and he does teach in his epistles that those serving the Lord, they they should be supported if at all possible. And and we've maintained this throughout church history as you support us as pastors and and, uh, staff members here at Berean. We support our missionaries around the world. We support others in full-time Christian work here in the States and in in parachurch ministries. This is the principle that, that is biblical. But Paul was careful in certain situations, to, to, to even avoid that, the point of saying, I'm not, I'm not taking anything, I'm working because of this criticism that, that you are in this for the money, Paul. We know why you're doing this. And so when we come to the church at Philippi and Philippians, whom he've had this the wonderful relationship, he addresses this issue because they are supporting him financially. They are partnering with Paul in the ministry. They are tithing and they are giving. And when Paul says here in verse 10, that once again, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. We don't necessarily want to read into that, that they had given up before, but for whatever the circumstances, it wasn't possible. Paul's in prison in Rome under house arrest. The word for renew here is, is, a, is a botanical term of, of blossoming, of, of, of coming to blossom, opening up. Uh, it, it, you've had this opportunity, it's come to fruition. And he said, I, I, at last, and I rejoice in this, I'm thankful for this. Not that you weren't concerned, but you didn't have the opportunity. And when he says in verse 10, I am not saying this because I am in need. He, he's being very delicate, very careful here to help understand this is a friendship matter. Friendship implies giving and receiving. It is reciprocal. Yes, talk of money can be awkward. Um, and there's always, the, there's always the danger. You know, you, you might show up. We, we don't talk about money. You may have noticed. Um, we encourage tithing and giving. It is biblical. Uh, we talked about this in our class from the Old Testament on the feast days and the celebrations. There's a couple of principles at work in the Old Testament that carry over to the New Testament. We are not legalistic about it. You will never get a letter from us saying, you need to give this much. We've never done that. We never would do that. It's part of our worship. It's part of our stewardship, though, and we encourage it because in the Bible there's the principle that God gets the best and God gets first. And we all know from example that if, if, we're, if we are not going to give to the Lord's work, if we're going to wait and give to the Lord's work when there's something left over, we know what happens. There's another, nothing ever left over, Right? God, we give to God first. Paul says in his letters, he says, as God has enabled you the first day of the week, set aside. And so when I come, we can take these gifts and use them to help the brothers and sisters and to help in the ministry, to help the poor saints in Judea. And so um, I'm I'm so thankful for the history of this congregation. I I grew up here in this church, if if you're newer to the church. Um, I was a young person here in this church myself, and I grew up in this church. And I, and I was touched by the spirit of generosity and sacrificial giving. And I had a very strong sense growing up that uh, my friend's parents were giving up much what they could enjoy to, to build this. And you notice when we built this facility, we put as much uh, money and, and resources into our Christian education and youth ministries downstairs here, 
that building over there, and then eventually then the L.A. Peterson Youth Center, as we did in the place where we meet here, because it's important to us, and we continue this, this, this habit, and we want to continue to encourage sacrificial giving that, that puts God first and that gives God the best. And there's nothing awkward, there's nothing um, about saying that, uh, that, that, we are, that we are afraid to say. And we are thankful that God has blessed our ministry. I'm so thankful for our, the mission commitment of this church, our missionaries around the world that we support, not only our missionaries from America, but the national pastors and leaders um, that have gone from country to country that we support and we are a part of for the ministries here in this community, whether it's the, the you know the, the, the ministries that deal with in, in the homeless and the Christian uh, um, commitment to serving the social needs of our community to the ministry on college campuses, to the ministry to young people, to the various ministries that we participate in. We are thankful for that privilege. And we are part of this friendship, this culture of giving and receiving as part of God's work. And this is what Paul is talking about. I'm rejoicing about this. I'm rejoicing greatly. And he puts it in his, in his context. So I just want to remind you that Yes, talking of money, and I know one of the hard things when missionaries first go out, and we have, and I'm, I'm on the mission board at Grace Ministries. One of the things is it, it's okay to talk about your needs. It's okay to let people know what your needs are, because that's the only way that, that they will know that, that what, what God has has for them to help you. It's okay. It can be awkward, but it's biblical. It's part of partnership and community, and this partnership is just a vehicle for this discussion here, but the heart of it is this triangular relationship between Paul, the church, and God. And so he uses this, and I want you to keep that context in mind as we see three very, I mean, if you're, if you're looking for practical principles to live by today, there are three in this next section that are, that are just so outstanding and so important. And let's look at those. Let's continue this. Well, let's go back and read it. Verse 11. I'm not saying this because I am in need. Well, he did need. He did need support. He's a, he's a prisoner under house arrest. But there's a sense in which he's not in need. Why? Because Paul says, I have learned to be content. Whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content. The first principle this morning that is so practical that we all need to be reminded of, that is the principle of contentment. Contentment. Now, when, when Paul wrote this, someone said, wow, Paul is really picking out a term and a concept from the Stoic philosophers. You know, we use the word Stoicism, right? To say that person, you know, he doesn't show any emotion or she doesn't show any emotion. She's very Stoic. Everything is just kind of always the same, like rock solid in their life and so forth. But it's, it's much more than that. There was this whole philosophy that really focused on this idea that, that, that the self, the self-reliance, that we are not reliant on anything outside of us, but that we are self-reliant in, in everything. And some would accuse Paul of saying, Paul, is that really a Christian principle? But you notice as we see this, that Paul is going to connect it to that, that, his, that he, is not, he is content because of Jesus Christ, not because he is self-reliant. Paul is not self-reliant. 
by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, he's, and he says here, I've learned, I, I've been in great need, and that would cut across the Stoic philosophy. They would never use the term here that in some of your translations comes out, I've been abased, I've been humbled. They would never say that. That was not a trait they would, they would run up the flagpole. But Paul says, listen, I've been, in, I've been humbled. I've been abased. I've been without anything. And I have been with much. When, when was Paul with much? I don't really know. I read, his, I read his story in the book of Acts. I don't see a lot of places where Paul was living in luxury. I don't think that's what he's talking about. But I think what he's saying is I, I had more than I needed. I had plenty. I, I have been in both. But I've learned the secret because, you know, the danger is, the danger is, as we all know, the danger is that both wealth and want can be consuming. That's why when, when Paul talks about money and he says, he says, for those who desire to get rich, who love money, fall into great temptations. As we all know, that's the, the, the focus there is on your desire. If that's your motivation and your desire as opposed to serving God, and if God gives you more than you need, praise the Lord, use it for His glory. If He gives you less than you need right now, praise the Lord, He's taking care of you. You'll survive. And so Paul says in this, he says, I've learned the secret of contentment. And I know both sides of it. Paul says, I've had times in my life where I've had wealth. I've had plenty, more than I needed. And I've had times where I've had nothing, but I've, I've learned this a secret. I want to tell you this morning, friends, this is so important in our lives, isn't it? That, that, that contentment, contentment, that our lives, our happiness is not based on all the external things, but it's based on the core value relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and our partnership with his people in, in, in God's work. This is more important than anything. And we have the privilege of being part of God's work. Every time we give to the Lord's ministry, and it's used carefully, and, and you should be careful who you give to. We would never, you should be, you, sh- you should be. And, and you always have the right to ask us at our church. We, our budget is open. We publish it every year at our annual meeting. Um, you, you have that responsibility. And, and you have the responsibility when you give your time and, and, and tithe of your time and energies to, to teaching, to leading, to serving. Some of you are going to camp this summer as camp counselors. You're, you're giving up vacation time maybe. Uh, you're, you're doing this, you're, you're participating in God's work. And it should be done so in such a way that you want it to go to somewhere that's important. You want your time to be used wisely. And Paul says, listen, friends, I've learned to be content. What a wonderful thing to be able to say, isn't it? That we've learned to be content in all circumstances. But he goes on to say, in verse 12, let's finish this. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned a secret of being content in any, look at the inclusive language, any and every situation. Whether well-fed, and the word used here would be used, you would use to, to fatten up animals, like for the slaughter and so forth. I, I, I'm really well-fed. I'm, I'm doing very well. And I've been in situations where I've been hungry. Whether living in plenty or in want. And here's the second principle. You know this verse, many of you. I can do everything, what? Through Him who gives me strength. I can do everything. Paul says the reason we're, we're friends and we're partnership and the reason I'm thanking you for your gift 
It's not, I'm not thanking you because I was afraid God wasn't going to take care of me. I've learned that secret. I've learned to be content. I've learned that I can do anything. I can be well fed. I can be hungry. I can be in pain. I can be free of pain. I can be persecuted. I could not be persecuted. I could be anxious and not anxious. I could be in prison. I could be free. I can do anything. I can do anything through Jesus Christ. I can do everything through Him who gives me the strength. That's our second principle. Be content. Learn to be content. And secondly, understand and accept that we can do, we can survive and get through anything because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? He will give you the strength. He will supply the strength that is needed, but He'll supply it when it's needed. You don't get to necessarily store it up. He will provide it when it's needed. And this is so consistent with the Bible. The Lord Jesus Christ, I just, I love those passages where in the Sermon on the Mount, where the Lord said, why do you worry? Why do you, and you know, we all worry, right? I, I, I'll be the first to admit it. Why are you anxious? Why do you worry? Look at the birds of the air. They neither stole away in barns and save up for the future. But you know, those birds work all day long. Watch a bird sometimes. Uh, let me know next time when you see a bird going on vacation. <laughs> what are they doing? They're, basically, it's two things. They're looking for food, and they're watching out for enemies. And, and he says, but, but God provides. God takes care of them. He's not talking about laziness. He's not talking about doing nothing. But he's, but he's saying that when it all is said and done, the Lord says, look at God provides for them. Why do you worry? You cannot, add a, you cannot add an hour to your life, the Lord says, by worrying. And we learn that as we go through life, contentment, to learn to be content. And, and parents and grandparents, wonderful thing about a congregation like this, where we have multiple ages here, multiple ages. And one of the things as we grow up, we get to see the model and example of those who have walked with the Lord for a long time and we begin to see their genuine contentment and, and trust and understanding. And that's modeled before us. And we need that. We need to be reminded all the time. We need to interact with each other. We need to be a part of each other. We need to be partners. Because we need to be reminded that, yes, it, it works. God takes care of you. God takes care of you. And God provides. And then finally, the last thing. We'll finish this passage here. Verse 14. It was good of you to share in my troubles. It was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, so this, see, this is the deep friendship here. This is not awkward at all. This is Paul bearing his heart to these people. When I set out from Macedonia, not one church, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except for you. This is not awkward. This is a man who is a partner with them in the ministry and is so thankful for the history of their relationship. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again 
when I was in need. And friends, I want to remind you, as you read, as you read in Paul's letters, you'll find that when Paul talks to the Thessalonians, and when Paul talks to the Corinthians about this church, Paul, Paul tells the Corinthians, he says, the, the, the church in, in Macedonia, in their poverty, lest you think this Philippian group is a wealthy group, so therefore they're the ones who can finally step up and help Paul. Paul says in the Corinthians, he says, the Corinthians, that church in Macedonia, in their poverty, they were poor. In their poverty, they cut back to give to me so I could minister to you. And Paul says here, they were the only church that, were, that was willing to do this. In their poverty, they gave to God first and they gave God the best. And friends, it is not the health and wealth gospel. We, we will never preach that here. You will never hear that from here. That, that God wants every one of you to be wealthy and never be sick. And if you are, it shows a lack of faith. That is a lack of understanding of God's word. My goodness. Look at the Lord's life and his apostles. And look at Paul's life. But he met all their needs. And this poor group in, in Philippi, again and again sacrificed to partner with Paul in the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so because of that, as Paul comes to the conclusion here, this wonderful statement, verse 17, I'm not looking for a gift. That's not awkward. These are friends. He says, I'm not saying this is because I want more money from you. I'm saying this because I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I, have, I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. I, thank you so much, Philippians. I'm good. I can continue on. Because if Paul didn't have that money, he would be in a Roman dungeon. As long as someone's helping him, he can stay under house arrest and continue to write and, and send letters and have people come. And he says, I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay, thank you. And notice the language here that he describes. It. Notice the Old Testament sacrificial language that's used with this here. They are fragrant offering, acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. That is right out of the Old Testament of language of sacrifice that Paul uses here. And he wraps it up with, with our third practical point here, contentment. Friends, let's learn to be content. Secondly, let's, let's understand that we can get through anything, anything, with the strength that the Lord Jesus Christ was, is, is going to give us, is willing to give us. And then look at the third thing here that Paul says, verse 19, and my God will meet all your needs according to the glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Contentment. Understanding that God will help us through anything and that God will supply every need that we have according to His riches in Christ Jesus. Do we really believe that? <laughs> Do we really believe that? God, has God supplied your needs? You know what I'm going to say next, right? Not your wants, not the things that are... But has God supplied your needs? Is God supplying the needs of our friends in Malawi right now? Kids, 
that will come to know Christ in Cambodia. Did God supply their needs while she traveled with her friends to serve there? Will God supply the needs of the work here in Seattle and some of the ministries operating, we call it a shoestring, and yet day after day, they continue to minister and God provides. Will God provide the needs for us to continue if we're faithful to God's word and to our commitment? Will he continue to supply what we need so we can continue to minister to children and youth? We can continue to share the gospel. We can continue to offer things like the summer, like a basketball clinic, to invite young people to come and to grow in in, in this way and to interact with Christian adults who care about them. Will God supply our needs to continue to offer ministries to adults, to continue to counsel and to serve? Will God supply your needs? Think back to this epistle, the ground that we've covered. Would God supply their needs when it came to persecution? We talked about that. Would God supply their needs when it came to personal difficulties? God will meet their needs. Will God supply their needs when they run into false teaching and things that are maybe starting to tear a congregation? God will supply their needs. Will God supply their needs when they are anxious? We read last week, be anxious for nothing. Will God supply your needs? Everything we've covered in this epistle, it comes to fruition here and it wraps up in this statement. And my God will supply all your needs. What? According to his riches in Christ Jesus. And so Paul wraps up this friendship letter to this church of Philippi with, as he does in all of his letters, a a benediction, but a doxology, a note of praise, To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Philippians. Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me, the brothers and the sisters, they send you greetings. All the saints send you greetings. We are friends. We are partners. We are in fellowship. We are doing this together. Notice especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Think of that. Think of how far the gospel of Jesus Christ has penetrated. Are you skeptical today that the gospel of Jesus Christ can penetrate anywhere in this world? Are we sometimes skeptical and think, is that even possible? You listen to our friends, Dan Moyer, share with me, share with us at dinner the other night. What God is doing and maybe he'll talk to Syrian refugees going to Europe that we don't hear about coming to Christ and churches being established. I haven't heard this. Churches being established, many of them, all refugees, Syrian refugees have been, who would think? Paul says here, listen friends, there are people in Caesar's own household Maybe they were slaves. Maybe they were servants. Maybe they were children. They are Christians. And they're asking me to send you greetings in Philippi. Praise the Lord. Greet the brothers in Philippi and greet the sisters in Philippi. Caesar's own household. What a way to close this epistle with this note of optimism that the gospel of Jesus Christ is changing lives even in the household of the emperor of Rome.
All the brothers and sisters send you greetings. And friends, let's close the epistle. Verse 23. This is not a throwaway line. This is not to whomever it may concern. Dear sirs, hey you, (laughs) this is not a throwaway line. The grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. I dare say, many of the original audience who sat there and heard this epistle read to them probably gave their lives in martyrdom as Paul did, as Peter did, as all the apostles did, for the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, the ultimate partnership and fellowship, grace, and Paul often says, peace be with you, with your spirit. Amen. Amen and amen. Let's be content. Let's remember that God will supply all of our needs and through the Lord Jesus Christ we can face anything through his strength. And let's also remember we are in this together as partners with brothers and sisters around this world on this very day And people in the most unlikely places are coming to Christ and receiving eternal life and forgiveness for sins as we sit here right now. And friend, if that's you, if you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Savior, what we are talking about, the heart and soul of this message, is that we are talking about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, fully God and fully man, who came to earth. He lived a life fully human, but without sin. These young people went out here today. At one time, Jesus was that age. Jesus was your age, some of you. They went to the cross of Calvary, and he died on that cross to pay for my sin, and he shed his blood to pay for my sin. And he received God's punishment and wrath for all the horrible sin in the world, He took it on Himself so He could forgive you freely and you could come and receive eternal life. And join us and be part of God's family in this great opportunity to be part of something so much bigger than yourselves, the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. That was a good reminder, Gary, as we sing that that song. That would have been good to change that word because... You know, every time we read these epistles and we keep coming across you, 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 my inclination is always to read me. God will supply all my needs. God will supply. But remember, it's your and it's to the community. That every one of those promises to me is to this community. Community of faith that God has allowed us to be a part of and to live our lives and sharing this work together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that together we are part of your great family of faith. What a privilege, God. And Lord, we will never we don't want to ever take for granted the truth, the simple truth of this gospel message. 
forgiveness for sins, from darkness to life, from death to resurrection. And Lord, we are so thankful that you will, as a community of faith, you will meet our needs. You can teach us to be content. And you can help us to understand that we together can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We praise your holy name. We are a humble people. We are an imperfect people. But we are your people. And we are your family. And we pray for your Holy Spirit to touch our lives that we might live a life this week that radiates the love of God for all of our friends and neighbors that we come across this week. And it's in his name we as your people have gathered together. We say together, Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for coming and joining us today. That is a very important part of being a community of faith.